Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Our topic today is redemption, and you'll see how it connects with this theme of dying and coming back to life. You know, as we talk about redemption and the series that we are doing, this series is the foundation of our Christian belief. I was speaking to Pastor Nicola this week, and she was just saying this series is taking us back to who we are as believers. So this series is taking us back to who we really are. So when we talk about the Bible meta-narrative, I would like you to remember these five stages. This is the story of the Bible, the greatest story. It is creation, it is the fall, it is Israel, it is redemption, and it is new creation. The reason I want you to remember this, it is because it is in what Nduluma was saying, that the equation has already been fixed. So when we see what is happening in the world today, we think, where is God? We think that God is taken by surprise, that there's load shedding. No, no, he's not taken by surprise. The equation is already fixed. God knew that he was going to put us here on earth, and Adam and Eve, they're going to, the downward spiral, that's the fall, moving us, taking us down from where God had wanted us to be originally. They brought death to earth, but in Israel, God is pursuing us. God is bringing us back to this relationship that he wants to have with us. And then out of that, God is saying, man, the sacrifices are not working. The last sacrifice is Jesus Christ. That's redemption. Redemption simply means that uh, the saving from evil, from error, it is the saving from harm that the enemy is constantly trying to plan over us. And next week, Pastor Lereko is going to end the sermon series with new creation. That we live today, but we know there's the better life that is coming in eternity. Heaven, what? That's where we're going. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to preach with me. Can we say creation? creation. The fall. Israel. Redemption. A new creation. That's the gospel right there. We can call an altar call now. For those of us who are here and those who are joining online, this is my big request to you. Do not fall under the trap of the enemy to believe that God doesn't know what he's doing. The equation is fixed. God has a plan. So this is the question I want us to grapple with. What if Jesus was never born? What if Jesus was never born? The text we're going to read today, it's based on the fact that there is this war that started in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam opened the door for sin and death, and Jesus Christ came many years later, and he closed the door. Jesus closed the door that Satan opened many, many years ago through Adam. And I want to announce to you today as we go to the Word of God, that Jesus was born so we can be redeemed. That's the whole aspect of Jesus' birth is redemption. So open with me in the book of uh, Romans chapter 5. We're going to read chapter 5, verse 12 to 21. 
I will also have it up here on the screen. The first verse, I want to read it from my Bible. I'm reading the ESV. And there's a very important reason I want to read it from my Bible, and then I'll pause there. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, I want to pause there because in my ESV Bible, English Standard Bible, they have this footnote there. The Greek word for men refers to both men and women. So ladies, in case you think that you're exempt, we are all included. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, I wanted to clarify that first. So as we continue to read, you don't sit there and say, oh, these guys, you know, these men who caused this for us, you know. Remember who gave out the fruit first. And then um, Adam comes and he says, the woman. If you missed any of the sermons we've preached in the last three weeks, please get the podcast. You'll know where that came from. So we're reading again from verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, including women, because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who got, who was the type of who was to come, that is Jesus. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that one man Jesus abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the results of one man's sin, that's Adam. For the judgment following one's trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act, one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And as for by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, that is Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through the righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So friends, from the scripture that we've read, I notice that there's a number of words that have been repeated. I'm sure you notice there's words that have been repeated, but simply it is a contrast between the one man, Adam, and the one man, Jesus Christ. 
And in this text that we have read, it is very clear that the one man, Adam, opened the door for sin and death. When you read verse 12 in the NLT, it says that sin entered the earth through the one man, Adam. So the best way to describe it is Adam opened the door. He brought down the wall that God was trying to protect us from. And when he did that, little did he know that he opened the door for death. So originally, it was not God's intention for us to live in death, for us to experience death. But Adam and Eve, they are the ones who opened the door. Let's read it again. Just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. So death came because of sin. And the Bible says in verse 14, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, meaning from Adam to Moses was before the law was enacted. But when the law came, even those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, it means that the law exposed their sin. The law taught them what sin was. And now we see the type of Adam that is Jesus coming to earth. So I want to talk about two things out of this. Death begins with spiritual separation from God and culminates in physical death. So when we talk about death, there's two types of death. There's the spiritual death, that is Adam and Eve moving out of the Garden of Eden, moving out of the presence of God. And out of that, we see something terrible happening. They die spiritually. I'm sure you all know that we were all dead in our sins. That is spiritual death, and through Jesus Christ, we've been brought to life. So think about the many people who are out there who don't even know that they're actually dead. They're still living in spiritual death, which culminates in physical death. So spiritual death is that which the enemy is trying to keep us there because God, the enemy knows that when we live here, where God has created us to be, to rule and reign, he knows that we will change circumstances of this world. We will fight against complicated wickedness. What does the enemy do? He takes us down. He brings us down through sin so that we will not take our rightful place. With that in mind, I want to just give a bit of hope that uh, physical death is not the end. As some people may think, we are correcting uh, a doctrine and theology that may, when we die, there's no life after death. This is what is written by Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians. But we do not want you to be uninformed, saints, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Amen. We have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep. Don't you just like this verse? The Bible now is speaking about sleeping and not about dying. Because those who die in Christ, we know that we don't die, we just fall asleep. Those who are dead in Christ, they are not dead, they fall asleep because your soul is kept in the ark of the covenant until the final redemption, the new creation. So with this in mind, death, where is your sting? 
We do not mourn the same way the world mourns because we know there is life after death. There's eternity that's coming. On that note, I want to bring this uh, close to home. The whole aspect of how death entered the world through sin. As much as I'm saying that Adam, the one man who opened the door, and Jesus is the one man who closes the door. I watched a movie called Ends. Let me see how many of you have watched the movie Ends. A-N-T. You're just going to reveal your age. It's a very old movie. But uh, my teens, uh, who, uh, who were very young at the time when we were watching this movie, they loved the movie so much. You probably watched it a hundred times. You know when you have small children, you know, and they like the movie. You have to watch it over and over again. So as I was preparing the sermon, I remembered that movie because something stood out for me out of that movie. There's this a villain or the protagonist who his name is Mendable. If you watch the movie, you'll know why his name is Mendable. And this general Mendable is working hard to break down the wall that is protecting the ant colony from the enemy. And the reason he's doing that is so that he, these enemies can come in, he's connived to the enemies, they can come in, they can uh, take down the queen, take down the army, and he can rise to a position of power. It is so interesting that even in movies, we can see the plot is exactly redemption story. Go watch Spider-Man. Go watch all the Marvel movies. You can see the plot is like, you know, there's the villain and the hero, the superhero must show up. It is a longing for Jesus, the one and only superhero that can close the door once and for all. It's so interesting in this movie, as you watch it, then a soon-to-be hero, his name is Z, as you would expect, a little dude somewhere who no one cares about, you know, who falls in love with the queen's daughter. You know how the story ends. But Z comes up in, and he saves the day. He helps that they close the door. And for me, the picture of Z is how Jesus closed the door once and for all. We are the ones who keep opening the door. All right, let's talk now. How many of us can look in our families and we can say either yourself or someone in the family has opened the door to sexual immorality? We need to close that door. How many of us are sitting here and you see that things are not good financially at home and you realize either you yourself have not been a good steward of the finances or maybe financial misappropriety in the family, in the business. We need to close the door. Lack of good stewardship of finances. It may be that somewhere we open the door and the enemy is having a field trip. It may be that we've opened the door to alcoholism in the family. Maybe it's not you, but someone in the family. I'm challenging you today to say, the buck stops with me. It's not going to continue to other generations after me. I'm challenging you today to say, it's going to stop with me. I think of my mom and dad's marriage, of how they tried hard to make it work. By the time my dad died, my, they were separated. And I can live with that to say, the same can happen to me. But I'm choosing to say, the buck stops with me. Why was Jesus the Savior? Why did he come? Why was he born? So that 
we can close the door. He closed the door once and for all. Let us stop opening the door. The list goes on and on. It may be that there's things, drug abuse in your family. Someone, somewhere, open the door. We need to close the door. That is why Jesus was born. So that we can close the door. That's why my next point is one man, that is Jesus, closed the door through grace and life. We just spoke about death and sin and how it came. Adam opened the door, Jesus. But the free gift, he comes with a gift. It's not like the trespass. For many died through one man's trespass, much more. Can we all say much more? We're not camping and staying there in Genesis chapter 3, the downward spiral. We're not living there. We are saying much more. How much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus? I'm realizing here that a lot of us, we think that it has to take a crowd to bring our salvation. One man. One man, Jesus. One man. It says that the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. I like verse 20 and 21. It says, now the law came to increase the trespass. What it means is when the law came, people now noticed their sin. It increased the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Can we say all the more? So do not fall for the lie of the enemy that sin will keep you enslaved because the grace of God will help you to say no to sin. I know that some of us, we understand grace as the thing that come after I've sinned. Let me remind you, the grace of God is there before you sin. Titus 2.11 says, the grace of God teaches us to say no. To say no to ungodliness and unrighteousness. So I'm helping us to understand that let us not live in Genesis 3 enslaved by the downward spiral of sin taking us away from where God originally intended us to live. Jesus came and brought us back. That is redemption story. He brought us back. So sin reigned in death. Grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace has come to reign in righteousness. The grace of God empowers us so we cannot be enslaved to sin. As we speak about sin and how sin affects us individually, how sin takes us from the place where God wants us to be, I want to put it to you this way, that we don't realize that our sin not only affects us, it also affects other people. Our sin not only affects us, it affects other people. If you think about men who have cheated, if you think about women who have cheated, think about the pain that you've caused to your loved ones. If you think about your sin and think that it only affects you, it affects other people. Let me tell you a story about someone that has become to be well-known in Africa today. Dr. Emmanuel Taban, he was voted uh, the African person of the year in 2020. And in 2021, he was one of the most top 100 African uh, influential people. Dr. Emmanuel Taban, he writes in his autobiography about how when he was 
17 years old in South Sudan. Then it was still Sudan, before it was South Sudan. He was arrested by military intelligence, and he was tortured at that age. I, I think about the age of my children, and seeing a 17-year-old being arrested and tortured, and having not done anything wrong, because they thought that he was supporting the rebel group. After being tortured for a couple of weeks, he was released, and he fled the country. He traveled by bus and sometimes walking through Ethiopia, through Kenya, through Mozambique, through Zimbabwe, all the way to South Africa. Helped by the missionaries as he was going with the refugee status from one country to another. The point I want to bring you to is, before I finish his story, is the guys who tortured him, the guys who arrested him, their sin affected his life. But God, but God brought redemption in his life. God brought redemption in his life. Sometimes the sin of others may lead us to where we are and we live with that victim mentality, not realizing that God can bring redemption. So even if the sin of others has affected you to where you are today, remember, God's hand is able to redeem. His grace abound all the more much more His grace will abound. So if you continue to read the story uh, from his autobiography, Dr. Emmanuel Taban, the, bo- the, the book is, 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 is called The Boy Who Never Gave Up. He comes to South Africa, Catholic missionaries, they help him to complete school, and after he completes school, he goes to university, Medusa University, he becomes a medical doctor. And fast forward, he he specializes, he becomes a pulmonologist, which works with lungs, doctors who works with lungs. And during the height of the pandemic, they say he was able to save 90% of critical patients at the Steve Biko Academic Hospital. It isn't it amazing that the enemy's plan was to take his life, but God redeems his life so that he can save lives. Remember how God will take our brokenness and turn it into our mission. You know, when I read his story, I stop complaining. Because just when I think that I had it bad and I read his story, I'm like, dude, how did you do this? And you think he's an old man. He's only 43. He's younger than us, Greg. And he's achieved so much. And he's got four girls, married, beautiful family. I look at his story and I'm like, God, you're a God of redemption. He's a God of redemption. That is just one story. There's many more of stories. And some of you are sitting here where you have gone through terrible, terrible circumstances. But today, I'm here to announce that God is a God of redemption. He can tend that which was meant for evil for our good. The very same guy who was tormented and tortured, he's saving lives today. It is written in the drama of scripture, his birth announcement made outcast shepherds set the agenda for his messianic ministry. 
He has come to rule a worldwide everlasting kingdom. The important part is the everlasting kingdom. Let us not just think about load shedding and, forg- and think this is the end of the world. We are about an everlasting kingdom. The angel proclaims, I bring you good news of great joy. The good news for all people. Today, our Savior King has been born. He's the long-awaited Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. The long-awaited hero, the Lord Jesus. The question I'm grappling with today, what if Jesus was never born? If Jesus was never born, we will not have the Savior King. As some would think that he was a conquered king, I know that the two don't go together. I want to say he's a conquered, conquering king. He's, even though he was conquered on the cross, he's still conquering today. He has closed the door once and for all. May we stop opening the door. One man brought condemnation, another man brought justification. When you read verse 16 and 18, it helps us to understand that just as Adam brought condemnation, Jesus brought right standing with God. That is justification. And here's a great summary. The contrast of two unions or two covenants. Adam, the one man who brought an offense that brought death. In Jesus, we have righteousness that is brought to many. One man, Adam, judgment and condemnation. For many people's offenses, one man, Jesus, brings the gift of justification. Through the one man, which is Adam, death reigns. Through the one man, believers reign in life, contrary to popular belief. The reason I'm going on and on about load shedding, let me just confess. I got a message just before coming to preach that load shedding is still happening. I'm like, Lord Jesus, help us. Can we just get over this now? You know, I'm going to prophesy like Lyrico. COVID is going in two weeks' time. Did you say two weeks? Okay. <laughs> load shedding is going in two weeks' time. Thank you, Lyrico. <laughs> I was just checking if you're awake. <laughs> One man's offense brought condemnation to all. Righteousness of the one, Jesus, brought justification offered to all. The disobedience of one man who opened the door made many sinners. The obedience of one man made many righteous. Sin reigned in death through one man. Grace reigned in eternal life. Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. I think it brings us to this point in uh, Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. What if Jesus was never born? Salvation is found in no one else except Jesus. Let me remind you, John 14, verse 6, the Bible says, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through the one man, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but redemption comes through the one man, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. Death comes because of sin, but the free gift of God that comes through the one man, Jesus Christ, brings redemption. Pastor Rice Brooks gives us a very good summary of what the gospel is. And if you are far away from God, 
and you're wondering how do I come back to that place of origin, of ruling and reigning, to the place where God originally created us to be, this is the word for you. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he's the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all who repent and believe. Jesus came so that we don't have to be enslaved by sin, so that we don't mourn like the world mourn when we lose our loved ones. We know we will see them again. You know, I know it's painful going through the moment, but we mourn knowing that they've just fallen asleep because the door was closed once and for all by Jesus Christ. Can we stand? I want to read you something that will help us understand how the world is different because Jesus was born. I'm praying that those who are here, you feel like you're far away from God and you need to come back to God. Listen to some of this fact of what if Jesus was never born? If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in politics. Our representative form of democracy rests explicitly on Christian principles of church and state. And if you study scripture, you realize that actually politicians are the ones who have corrupted what was God's original intention of democratic government. If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in education. The world's oldest universities were all founded on Christian principles, teaching about Jesus and the Bible. This is my favorite part. There would be no Oxford, no Harvard, no Yale, no Princeton if Jesus was never born. If you didn't know all these Ivy League universities, they were all seminaries before they were universities. If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in literature, music, and the arts. I can give you a list. I'm just going to give you a few. There would be no Messiah for Handel. Remember Handel's Messiah? There would be no Christ Christmas music at all. I know others saying, oh. If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in science and medicine followers of Jesus Christ were pioneers of the art of medicine. The first hospitals were established by Christians who believed they had a God-given responsibility to heal the sick. So we believe in doctors and medical practitioners that God has gifted them to partner with us for the healing of the sick. If Jesus was never born, what a difference it would make in charity and the protection of life. It was the followers of Jesus who first abandoned the nearly universal practice of infanticide, where parents would kill their babies for what they deemed to be good reasons. If Jesus had never been born, we would have no salvation from sin, no victory over death, no mediator between us and the holy and righteous God. I've just given you a few 
the list goes on and on and on of how the world would be today if Jesus was never born. Even though we see with our natural eyes the things that are happening naturally, we know that God has a plan. God is at work because Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Let us bow our heads and pray. Father God, I want to start by praying for believers who are here who are saying, I may have opened the door in my family for things that I regret. I pray, Lord Jesus, there will be a conviction, Father God, to close the door once and for all, Father God, and not go back there, Lord God. Father, help us to close the door of things that may have been opened, Father God, because our, our forefathers, our grandparents, we don't know what might have happened. But God, we want to pray today that we will close the door once and for all, Father God. Lord, I pray that our children will not have to fight the battles that we have fought, Father. Lord, I pray that they will have, they will have different battles. And God, you will help them through those battles, Father. Father God, I pray for the people that are here that may feel that they are far away from you. May your Holy Spirit bring them back today, Lord God. That which we cannot do with our own hands, you can do for us. So while our heads are bowed in this moment of prayer, if you are here and you know that you are not where you are meant to be, you've moved away from God, or you've never had a relationship with the Father, and you want to come back to this relationship, that was created for us from creation, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray with you. You are here and you know that you're far away from God and you want to come back into a relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray with you. You're not raising your hand to any person but to God to say, Father, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to a relationship with you. Is there anyone here who wants to raise their hand? Thank you, my sister. Is there anyone else who wants to raise their hand and say, I want to come back. I want to come back to God's original intention for my life. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Do you want to come back to a relationship with the Father? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those who raise their hands, I'm going to ask you to take one bold step to come to the forward, to the front, so we can pray with you. And we want to take your contact details so we can walk with you. If you raise your hand, please come to the front. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to be up here, please come so we can pray with you. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you know you need to be here. Please come so we can pray with you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. The Bible says, heaven rejoice for one person who comes and says, I want to come back to the relationship with the Father. So friends, let's join together as we pray with this dear lady. Please repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I repent of all unrighteousness. I become your daughter in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you, family. Thank you.